The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I can't begin to tell you how relieved I am that this past Saturday is finally behind us and especially relieved that K-State survives. Let me put it that way. Survive in a capital survive. All bold letters as K-State gets out of Lawrence in football with the final score 31-27 to get to 7-3. Make that 8-3 on the season. And also uh, still in the hunt for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Obviously needing some help this week. But K-State got the win in Lawrence. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats. Wyatt Thompson, who's in with us for the first hour today. As I guess we could start with that. You're actually got a, quite the uh, opportunity later on tonight with Monday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium. You're going to the game. I am. Uh, very, very fortunate. Uh, we were invited kind of somewhat uh, here over the last few hours to, to go. Um, uh, Karen and I, and I'm really excited to go. I mean, I think you're talking about, well, one, it's Arrowhead, which is just rocks. And then you got two of the best teams in football and uh, the best quarterback on the planet. What's not to like, right? So I'm going to try to take advantage of that. So thanks for giving me uh, an hour to work and an hour off. I appreciate that. When's, uh, when's the last <laughs> time you've been to a Chiefs or an NFL game? Uh, I went to the Chiefs game a couple of years ago. And, and you know, with the schedule, it's difficult to go uh, and, and probably easier as – odd as this sounds, to go Monday night as opposed to Sunday afternoon. Um, it's just, you know, Sundays is kind of the how I get the week started with football and what have you. So I'm like you. I'm excited uh, to go, and thank you for uh, letting me get out of here for that second hour, but also thrilled with that Kansas State victory. It was not easy. We knew it was going to be a hard, tough game, and it certainly was. I We'll, I know we're going to break it down a lot, uh, no question about that, but I will say relief is a good word, survive, uh, like you said, and um, no matter what, how impressive is it to have won in that series 15 consecutive times? That's unbelievable. I couldn't wait to tweet that out after the game. 15 straight with just a picture of Memorial Stadium. Uh, last time we're going to see it as we know it, they're about to turn it into a nice-looking chewed-up wicker basket, uh, the way I've been explaining it ever since I saw those designs because my girlfriend has a basket that looks exactly like those stadium renovations. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I just can't get my mind off, though. Like, numbers, whatever, like, I just wanted that win in any way they could possibly get it. I, I know a lot of fans were very optimistic about going in there, maybe, because, you know, K-State marched right down the field and scored in five plays, made it look easy and get up 7 nothing. You feel sure. pretty good. Yeah. But then momentum turned after K-State goes three and out on their next offensive position possession. I just... 
man, I know I wasn't the only one. That was a tense Memorial Stadium. I don't know if I've ever been at a game between rivals, even in basketball, where the setting was just so tense that I think it affected, in a way, the environment. Chris Kleiman said, actually, the music was louder than the fans. Yeah, and it, it's not like the fans weren't loud, but he mentioned that to me yesterday taping the television show uh, before we got to taping there, that he, he said he couldn't believe how loud the public address system was. It was just like drowning you out. And I, I said, well, I didn't certainly notice it as much as you did, uh, but but it was loud. And the facility was loud. You know, their their fans. I mean, I don't know what the break. There were a lot of K State people there, uh, not like normal. But this isn't like normal anymore, right? I mean, they've improved. They're better. They're well coached, and they are a handful slash headache with their offense. But K State was fortunate enough to kind of get you know the tide turned there a little bit. It was not a good start defensively. <laughs> they had K State on their heels. Um, I've been saying to people, um, and this is trying to be as right down the middle as I can possibly be, I think both teams had a chance to win the game. I think both teams did a lot of good things. I think both teams maybe kind of flubbed a a couple of times that cost them. But when it was all said and done, you know, that right after their first score of the second half, K-State's defense did get better. There's no doubt about that. Their offense became a little bit more consistent, and they did a lot of good things. And with the game on the line, K-State was able to get just enough time and first downs and plays to, to put the game on ice. After K-State scored in its first drive, KU goes three and out, then K-State, they get around midfield thanks to a holding penalty, but then they stall. And then right after that, KU scores on four straight possessions, yes. and they dominated time of possession a huge part of that was them getting a lot of third and shorts. They converted a fourth down, but also just the offensive game plan. I mean, hats off to KU in their game plan, really. I mean, they protected Cole Bauer. Jason Bean didn't play. Cole Bauer, the true freshman walk-on who I believe is now on scholarship. He is, yeah. Um, did a great job of protecting him. The option was just killing us for a while. Like, And plus, of course, Devin Neal being the – tremendous athlete he Ooh. is for a long time there he was almost impossible to stop he was picking up chunks all the time I really was impressed with Ballard and and I understand that he's the th- number three guy they can talk about that all they want but this is a young man who's been around football understands the game they had I thought a game plan to kind of get him eased into it and where he wasn't even the quarterback a lot in the early stages of it. They were running a lot of Wildcat with, with Devin and with Tory Lachlan and so on and so forth. And I think that helped Ballard get his feet underneath him. And then once they got to clicking a little bit and finding some things after that, you know, that first three and out, uh, wow, they, they really got – that's when they're most dangerous because when they're able to run the ball – now they've got all of that option game to them and the play-action stuff. And, man, Devin Neal, Highshaw, those receivers, Mason Fairchild, they've got a lot of weapons offensively, and it, it took K-State some time to adjust. Give Kansas some credit now. They, they, were, they were really good offensively in the game, without a doubt. 
Now, I don't want to take away what Casey was able to do. Finally, score. they scored a couple of times, obviously, in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two-point conversion. The blocked extra point was huge. Monster. Um, in winning the game and the defense, you know, they did not give up any more points after the first, what, minute or so in the second half. They kept KU scoreless for most of that second half. Well, and I think there were some things that K-State did um, that, that probably slowed them down some. But I think, like, as an example... Um, on the interception in the end zone by Marquis Siegel, it was a huge that play. was that was a defense that was disguised, and they switched right at the snap, mm-hmm. and uh, Ballard just didn't see it, uh, thus the mistake. And that that's what happens with a young quarterback, but it's also what happens with a good coordinator. And I think Joe Klanderman did a really nice job after <laughs> you know really struggling to get them slowed down a little bit in that first half and in that first drive of the. Uh, uh, of the third quarter, you know, on the on the long play where they scored the the pass to Fairchild, Coach Kleiman had mentioned to me yesterday uh, that hey, it, they knew it was coming, they just didn't know when, mm-hmm. and they missed it. Um, and and there was one guy that wasn't not you know in the proper right spot, and boy, it cost him. And boom, that next thing you know, it's twenty seven to sixteen, and K State's reeling. But even with all of that, they found a way to to come back and. And, and not only get back into the game, but then eventually win it. Chris Kleiman after the game, speaking about the fixing the struggles uh, on defense. Some of it was alignments and the fact that they trade shift motion so much. And some of it was alignments and getting an extra hat to the option side of things. When they did try to throw the football, they had one really nice play. We changed some coverages up. I thought Joe did a good job changing a couple coverages up. They got us a couple of interceptions, but uh, I don't think we tackled exceptionally well. They did a great job, did KU, of just attacking what the defense gave them. And that's right. I mean, once K-State got an extra guy, maybe to the weak side of the field, extra guy in coverage, that changed so much for the Cats defensively. Um, So, I mean, hats off to Joe Klanderman. I mean, I don't blame K-State for kind of melting down there. K-State fans for kind of melting down there for a while because KU was in such control for a while there, especially closer to halftime, even into the second half. There was really not much going right for K-State. The offense couldn't you know, move the football. Will almost threw a pick six, which that also leads me into my next thought about this and maybe my biggest one of the game. And I don't want to take away what K-State did well, but K-State caught two gigantic breaks in that game. The dropped pick six and the muff punt. Yeah. Because KU had a couple of chances to put the game away, and they – they botched it. They they truly did because the opportunity was right there for them for the taking. I'm sure KU fans felt like they should have won that game. Yeah. But two major mistakes was enough to turn the tide in K-State. The important thing there, capitalized because they, they, they scored after both of those mistakes. Totally agree with all of that. You know, what I would come back with is, you know, I thought KU was the beneficiary of the, the fumble play that was advanced about 30 or 35 yards. Yeah. That was good fortune. K-State missed an opportunity there. They had True. a couple of shots at the ball. Will Lee could have just fallen on that, and who knows how the game changes from there because it could have been different. There's no doubt about that. And we talked about the the Marquise Siegel interception in the end zone, and that's why I was saying what I said before. Both teams had their chances. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I just – you know what? I've done a lot of KUK State games now, and and to me that was easily one of the more entertaining games, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent that that I've had the pleasure to call, and, and or difficulty to call with those Jayhawk uniforms. 
Whoa, boy, where's that heart? I was telling everybody in the press box, like, just by watching from upstairs, I was like, I, I didn't care who heard it. Like, if it was KU Media or whatever, <laughs> I was like, this is, these are the, for a broadcaster, I mean, I call games myself, but I'm not as high up as you are for typically yeah. my broadcasts. Those are a nightmare. Well, here's the thing that's most important, okay? Not to make this about the broadcast, but I, I will say one thing there and then one other thing to, to augment my point. I heard from two different play-by-play guys in text messages after the game. Again, after the game, I don't know how you did it. I'm sitting there watching it on television, and I'm having a hard time figuring it out myself. Uh, but, but I also think that something needs to be done about that. K-State's coaches had some difficulty uh, defining players yeah. because of the numbers, too. That's, that's not a good thing. Well, do you think that's maybe the, the the thought behind those uniforms, or is it just? Well, I think it's just you know black is cool, and the, you yeah. know the, everybody wants to, for some some type of reason, they want to. I, I get that it's a, a the young players' game, and they they want to you know look hip and cool and have different combinations and all that, and I'm all for that. That's not the point of this. This this is more about you know if if you're going to wear black, then it needs to be white numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely right. like yeah. I'm a fan. A couple of, years ago, when we were over there, they were wearing blue numbers on red tops. That shouldn't work. Uh, yeah. I, anyway, that's my rant of the well, day. Well, I'm totally with you. I'm a fan of you know, K State. You may disagree with me, but down the road, I would hope they get black uniforms for football. I think in when in basketball, when the men's and women's basketball teams have worn black uniforms, they've looked fantastic. Uh, if they could get a black uniform in, like that for football, I think that would be awesome. But the way KU did it, that's not the right way to go. It would be <laughs> nice to have the numbers and last names on the back pop when you see them. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, that's your identity. Well, the number and the name. Well, that's exactly right. And again, I, I'm all for the players and, and having, you know, multiple combinations and cool looking uniforms. But let's not forget the bottom line. And again, this isn't about me, it's about the fans that are paying to watch the game. It, it was hard for everybody at times to see the numbers. Everybody. Just the truth. Uh, so two more things I want to touch on real quick, which go hand in hand here, uh, which is the end of the game. On KU's last drive, they're driving. They want to take the lead. There's still five minutes left. It's a fourth down play. And it was a play that reminded me, wasn't maybe as good of pressure, but it reminded me of Max Duggan's interception in the Big 12 championship game. Here comes the pressure. Ballard may be feeling it a little bit. He lobs it off his back foot towards the corner of the end zone, and it couldn't have been an easier interception. That was the most needed play at that point in time. That's exactly what K-State needed, and they got it. And then interception Marquis Siegel. Mm -hmm. And then how does K-State respond with over four and a half minutes to go, I think? Four and a half minutes, is that right? They run out the clock. Yeah, which is hard to do. It's difficult nope. to do, yes, and they had at least, if memory serves me correctly, three third-down conversions. Does that sound right? I think so. Yeah, and obviously, I thought in the waning moments there, K-State did a great job of knowing exactly how much time was left, how to take a few extra seconds off, even if it meant lost yardage, because you get right down there and the final snaps with exactly – I'll say that again. Exactly 40 seconds to go. Yes. Game's over. All you have to do is take care of the ball. Game's over. Well done. 
had to break out the time calculator to figure out exactly how <laughs> how much time Will needed to dance around in the backfield before he uh, he slid down. And well, I've been told that they he was told you got to kill six seconds here to make this work. Well, he he, he oh. talked about it after the game. He's like, that's actually oh. something they practice all the time. I actually found that hard to believe. Yeah, well, they but they, they practice everything. Yeah, trust me. Okay, but but and everybody does. Some just do it better than others. Now, before we take a break, we. I, I got to play the audio back from my favorite post-game storyline. Okay. I found this to be hilarious. Okay. <laughs> so it has to do with DJ Giddens. I figured you were going there. Okay. So DJ Giddens in our uh, our media scrum outside the locker room after the game. I was there for all of this. Um, this is DJ Giddens talking about the locker room celebration after uh, Governor Laura Kelly presented the trophy. Uh, yeah, everybody was too turnt in the locker room. Everybody was turnt. I was a little turnt. So everybody was turnt. Um, you know, turnt isn't – I had to follow up after that because I was like, DJ, you said you were a little turnt. I don't know if a lot of people would describe you as turnt, and I'll, I'll let you you know go to Urban Dictionary or whatever to find out the definition of turnt, but here's DJ Giddens on him being turnt. I mean, I, I was in there smiling and everything. I wasn't jumping up and down, but I was happy for sure. I was happy. So another word to say, you know, excited, right? Having a good time. His way of being turned a smile a little bit. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He he is very – well, first and foremost, let's back up and say this. He is a really good football player. There's no doubt about that. So excited for what he has put together this season following Deuce Vaughn, right? I mean, that was the thing. How do they replace Deuce Vaughn? Well, you don't, but you move on. And the move on has really been – with him and Treshawn Ward, really quite good. And DJ's been a little bit out in front on that, you know, numbers-wise and opportunity-wise. Um, but but he is a guy that, you know, excitement level is different for different people. And he's pretty calm, cool, and collected for the most part. And if a grin's all he needs, hey, I'm, I'm good with it. <laughs> he was he was terrific in the game. All right, let me quickly run down some final numbers before we uh, we take our break. Uh, Cole Ballard passing for KU, 11 of 16 for 162, one touchdown and two interceptions. Devin Neal was the leading rusher for Kansas, first 100-yard rusher for KU against K-State since 2012. Devin Neal had 138 and three touchdowns. Uh, Mason Fairchild was the leading receiver, that one long catch for 59 yards. I asked the question on Power Keg game day because K-State hadn't had a 100-yard receiver in Lawrence since 2011. Jace Brown was really close. Yeah, he was. Four catches, 96 yards. DJ Gins with 102 on the ground and a touchdown. Will have 13 of 24 for 165. He was three yards better than Cole and two touchdowns plus one interception. All right, we take our first break on Wildcat Insider, and uh, when we come back, let's take a look at hoops. Not only the K-State men playing in the Bahamas, the K-State women playing back-to-back games against teams from the Big Ten, including a road trip to number 2 Iowa. That's coming up next on Wildcat Insider. We are back on Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Still to come here in hour number one, we'll have a football preview of the Iowa State Cyclones. Talking Farmageddon here in a little while. Plus, looking back at last week at Big 12 football, we'll have uh, Big 12 championship scenarios coming up in hour number two. Wyatt, I, I want to now go to basketball. Uh, two pretty big weeks, actually, for both the men's and women's basketball teams. But I really want to start with the women because they had the big win of the week. Yes. I mean, they stole headlines. Going nationally. Into, yeah, nationally. Yeah. I mean, leading off Sports Center, um, the nation was talking about, and, and it was mostly from the Caitlin Clark perspective. A lot of people saying she had an off night. I give a lot of it, a lot of the uh, – 
the flowers there to the K-State defense the way they played Caitlin Clark. But for the second straight year, the Wildcats defeat Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes in the final. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Uh, this past Thursday on national television on FS1, 65 to 58. K-State, man, it it took the last three minutes, a little less than three minutes. They kept Iowa off the scoreboard, and they went on that 12-0 run to go get the victory. I mean, you're under three minutes to play, and it looks like Iowa's going to walk away with this one. Cats never gave up. You saw some fight. They stormed back. I had a chance to visit with Jeff Mitty yesterday morning at their shoot-around prior to the Wisconsin game, and I asked him a little bit. I congratulated him, but asked him a little bit about how the Cats played and just hung around until the last, you know, three or four minutes and then did finally make, you know, a cluster of shots and continue to play good defense on Caitlin Clark to, to pull the game out. And, and I said, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to continue to play really, really high-level defense when you're not making a lot of shots, but they did that. I think they frustrated Clark in so many ways, and I think she forced a few that – made that shot percentage go down. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, they really got into her and really made her earn everything. Uh, I give Davis a little bit of credit for picking up some slack there and keeping them into the lead. But then late in the game when K-State finally started to hit some shots, and the Gabby Gregory shot was a dagger, man. That was big time. Uh, you thought, okay. They, yeah, right. The, they can right do the this. the shot clock, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just an you know, just a defining victory. People will be talking about this on their resume come March. I mean, that, it's big time to do it. You know, it's one thing, <laughs> with all due respect, it's one thing to do it last year at home. It's another to do it this year with Aoka Lee and in Iowa City. Huge difference. Aoka Lee was K-State's leading scorer, 22 points and 12 rebounds for her 51st career double-double. Uh, you know, that was really actually, if you, and if you look at yesterday's win over Wisconsin, K-State winning back-to-back games against the Big Ten. Cats beat the uh, Wisconsin Badgers 75-57 last night. So back-to-back games, you hold a Power Six opponent to less than 60 points. You know, the big difference was just trying to go down low to Yoki a little bit more and get her going. That really opened up K-State's game. I want to give you some numbers here about Caitlin Clark. So, Caitlin Clark finished with 24 points. I mean, did a great job of scoring when it comes to the final numbers. Uh, She drew eight fouls. She's incredible at drawing fouls, and that was a big – boy, if you're watching that game as a K-State fan, you are so frustrated about the refereeing in that game because it was lopsided, and K-State felt like it was just 
absolutely on the wrong end of the deal every single time. But Kaylin Clark was only 2 of 16 from 3. She was 2 of 7 from 3 the previous meeting. So you add that up, and K-State held Kaylin Clark in two games against K-State to four threes on 23 attempts. And she is one of the best shooters in ever in women's college basketball. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think that those numbers are as impressive as it gets. They did make her work for everything, really, in both of the games. I think the thing is, you know, it's one thing to have a plan, and certainly K-State did that defensively. But also their length and athleticism, I think, stuck out in this game, I mean, in a a big way. Yes, they weren't making shots, and the K-State missed so many good-looking shots, you know, in that first part of the game that you thought, man, I just hope they're not letting this, you know, chance go by. But they hung with it, hung with it, hung with it, and, and finally got it done in the waning minutes of the game. By the way, I asked Coach about the, uh, about Taryn's sides after the uh, Wisconsin game. She's the <laughs> the freshman, little freshman from Phillipsburg, right, Kansas. Right. I, and I was watching the I was at the game live when they played uh, Presbyterian in their opener. She seemed like she was playing real nervous. Maybe was you know passing up some shots. And many mentioned after the Wisconsin game, he's like, "Listen, you know how many times I went out to Phillipsburg to watch you play, and you would take all these deep threes. You would just pull up threes whenever you had it open and would nail these." He's like, when are you going to do that in a game? She did it on the maybe the biggest stage we've seen in women's college basketball so far this year, at least one of the biggest, at number 2 Iowa, in a sold-out arena in the first half and just, dink, knocked yep, it down. Exactly. While Mitty and the coaching staff were trying to yell out plans to the offense, she just pulls up and hits the three. Her confidence has just absolutely taken off the last three games. Yeah. And that's amazing to see. And you know what the scary part is? I don't think she has shot the ball as well as she is capable of yet. She will. She, but she will. That's she will. exactly the point and, and, and the thing to, to talk about here because as she continues to grow and develop, I mean, her game is, is there. It's just all about you know, confidence and, and, and replication, if you will, repeating that you know, game in and game out with good efforts and you know, taking good shots and that. She's a baller, though. I mean, at, at, at the core, uh, they've got a special young lady there. She, she has a great feel for the game. She's an excellent passer, um, and even though her percentage isn't great necessarily, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not up to her capability or standards at this point. But once she gets there, whoo, look out. <laughs> I'll say Jeff Mitty has done such a great job in, in drawing up a defensive game plan when the opponent has a player that can shoot it from anywhere in the building. Yeah. Taylor Robertson of Oklahoma was a great example of that. The, she played at McPherson and then played you know, for a long time at Oklahoma. She's the all-time leader in three-point makes in Big 12 history now. But K-State always did a great job of locking her down and keep her limited, and that's exactly what they did with Caitlin Clark. And so many players had a hand in, in limiting Caitlin Clark, having a bad night from three. I thought Zy Walker did an, a phenomenal job. Uh, do you, just to name a, a player who really stood out to me, Zy Walker, the transfer from Louisville, uh, was a big part of that defensively. In the little bit that I have seen her to this point, and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, with my schedule with football and men's basketball, I had not watched her play until the Iowa game. But watching these two games back-to-back on television, what a big addition to this team in so many ways. She has length. She has athleticism. She can score She off the bounce. She can shoot you know, the pull-up shots. She can shoot from three. 
I, I think she's going to be a really, really nice add-on, and people are going to be talking about her all season long. <laughs> she's uh, such a key piece off the bench, a Kansas kid. Yeah. And um, she just had some bad luck yesterday at the rim against Wisconsin. She actually entered that game with one of the best shooting percentages in the Big 12 yeah. through three or four games. So, yeah, she's going to be that, – that's the thing about you know this team. Else? they got depth. I like her toughness, too. Oh, yeah. You, you can go. tell she will compete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she – yeah, you're right. She she had a couple, two or three yesterday that she probably will down in most games. Uh, but boy, there's so much to like early on with her game. I that's a great addition. So the K State women are now four and zero, and they moved up eleven spots in the AP poll. They're now up to number sixteen. Randy Peterson, who is the SID for K State women's basketball on Twitter, um, noted that this is the highest ranking for K-State women's basketball since they were number 16 late in the 08-09 season. And it's their best debut in the AP poll since number 5 preseason 03-04. Wow. 20 years ago. So congratulations to the K-State women. Up next, they're about to play three in a row. And by the way, they might play Iowa again. Uh, Coming up on Sunday, they have three. uh, It's an eight-team tournament. They'll have three games, back-to-back days, at the Gulf Coast Showcase in Florida, they'll play Western Kentucky at 10 a.m. On Friday, they'll play the winner of North Carolina, Vermont, or you know, depending on the results of the Western Kentucky game, they'll play either North Carolina or Vermont uh, on Saturday, and then on Sunday is their final game with, of course, opponent and time to be determined. All those games on Flow Hoops, of course, right here on K-Man. Those are where you can hear uh, K-State women's basketball action. All right, let's get to the men. Uh, the results, they go 1-1 uh, in the Bahamas as they beat Providence 73-70. And the loss to Miami last night or yesterday, ninety-one to eighty-three, and Miami was up double digits for most of that game, thanks to the uh, lights-out shooting from Nigel Pack, former Wildcat, goes seven of twelve from three, and he finished with twenty-eight points. You know, if I had one thought about just these games back to back, and it's it's really stunk for Dede Ames, who took a forearm to the chops and gets ejected for fighting and I you know I didn't really think that it was fair to call that fighting from Dede Ames maybe caught him with a little bit of a backhand a little bit there um, but then takes the forearm to the face and he's ejected and gets suspended for a game and doesn't get to play against Miami but I will say after playing an overtime game against Providence maybe they didn't have the legs they hoped they would have to play in Miami but that team never gave up they had so much fight especially to win it in overtime against Providence they got it to single digits against Miami. They made it a little interesting there in the final five minutes. So, I, I mean, my hat's off to, even though the Miami game didn't go well, um, they couldn't really shoot the three in the first half really most of the game. They never quit, and Cam Carter was a huge part of that never quit. I thought it was interesting that in postgame comments, Coach Tang said on the K-State Sports Network, but also on his uh, postgame presser and on Zoom, that uh, blame me uh, for the first half. Uh, he said – that's on me because our plan wasn't good enough necessarily. Uh, and I think he really liked the way K-State fought back in the second half and especially late in the game. Uh, they did not play very well uh, in the early part of the contest. And, wow, I mean, it, it's hard to look past the fact that Miami shot 58% in the first half, and a lot of that was Nigel Pack. I think he had 20 at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And, and as you said – and as per, we we saw Nigel for a couple of years here, right? You remember all of the things that he can do. And his line score, 36 minutes and 20 seconds. He goes 9 for 16, 7 of 12 from 3, 3 of 4 from the foul line, had two rebounds. He had one turnover. 
a steal. That, that's that's Nigel. Now, again, he doesn't get 28 every night, but I don't know that he needs to with this group. But, yeah, I'm sure he was motivated to play K-State, and I think he he is a terrific talent. And, and um, you got to give him credit for that. But I think K-State was a better team uh, in the second half, a lot better team in the second half than they were the first. They just – too too big a deficit too early. Well, and I, it needs to be taken in consideration as well. K State's still playing without Naquan Tomlin, which right. he's going to get that diversion. So you know, maybe it seems to be a step in the right direction of when his his uh, debut this season for K State will take place. We're just, we're not sure yet, but no Quest Glover, right? And Daddy Ames did not play against Miami, so they're limited. Although they got guys, yeah. And I, I want to say this about Daddy, and I know this is going to sound like the K State guy, right? But I do not understand why he was penalized an entire game for what I saw in the game against Providence. I just didn't think it was warranted. I just didn't. But, hey, okay, it happened. I think it would be most apropos and fair to say this. Going into the tournament, Jerome Tang was talking about we've got to get better defensively. I mm-hmm. think that is still the case. It but is. they split a couple of games here. So you move on, and let's see how they do here in the next uh, few games. They've got, they're right back at it. They had a few uh, issues getting home, I understand, and, and uh, turn right around and play Wednesday night right before Thanksgiving on Thursday. And they played three straight games against teams that are really tough defensively. Oh, yeah. K-State, always, they're, they're always figuring out ways to score points, even though they may not be hitting threes every game. They find ways to score points. Cam Carter against... Miami. I want to give him a shout out for his line as he finished. He was, I mean, the heart and soul of K State trying to make that comeback. Twenty eight points, twelve makes from the field against the the Hurricanes, who are number yeah. twelve in the country. He didn't shoot it well from three, but I love the attack mode that he seems to be in. And he's, you know, we've talked about him a lot early on in this season through the first five games. Um, you know, Cam has taken a big leap offensively from a year ago, and K State needs that. Uh, they they just. They are a different team than they were a year ago. They they probably miss the explosion of the Marquise Noel, like football missed the explosion of Deuce Vaughn, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar. And then you lose a pro in in Keontae Johnson. So I I hope that you know hope this works out that you know Naquan could be a possibility. Quez come back now. You know, have Day Day um, looks a little different looking team if that happens. <laughs> All right, we take our next break. And by the way, uh, up next for the K-State men, uh, they're back at home for four straight. As uh, up next, it's the youth team game on Wednesday at 7 o'clock in Bramlage hosting the Bears of Central Arkansas. We take our next break, and when we come back on Wildcat Insider, we'll take a look at uh, back to football. The Iowa State Cyclones farm again this Saturday at the Bill. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. We're back on Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Uh, so to come, we're going to try to squeeze in some just uh, results from the Big 12 in football uh, this past week as we're now entering the final week of the regular season as K-State will host the Iowa State Cyclones for Farmageddon. 7 o'clock, the game is televised on Fox. Power K game day will start 3 in the afternoon on Saturday. It's going to be a cold one, so bundle up uh, for a uh, Farmageddon matchup at the Bill between the Cats and Iowa State. The longest-running uninterrupted series in FBS football, which people were pretty fired up that that thing's going to be no longer uninterrupted in 2027. But why, let's take a look at the Cyclones who are 6-5 and 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 5-3 in the Big 12. You know, just my first thought about them is I'm very surprised they're bowl eligible this year. After all the gambling, 
scandals that have been taking place with a whole bunch of starters. They have no uh, Hunter Deckers this year. They got to go Rocco Beck through the entire year. Being six and five and up till last week, being in the hunt for the Big 12 championship game, I got to take my hat off to Matt Campbell. I was not expecting Iowa State to be you know, a bowl-eligible team this year. I, I think that's perfectly said. They had really a most difficult summer, no question. And it wasn't just Hunter Deckers that was several other guys, yeah. uh, including Jake Grimsberg, who was one of the better offensive linemen in the Big 12. But they have hung in there. We were talking off-air a moment ago that this is a team that lost to Iowa at home early on in the season, 20-13. to 13. Not a crime, certainly. Hmm. But they lost at Ohio 10-7. to I think that was probably the low point and when pretty much everybody gave up on this group, right? But I think what you have to say is that, one, Rocco Becht has grown into being a pretty good uh, Big 12 quarterback, and they really compete defensively. They've got some veteran guys. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. John Haycock is without a doubt one of the best defensive coordinators in this league and probably in the country. And they, they continue to flourish with him. I mean, you think about some of the guys that they have. Looking at my uh, chart here, I mean, uh, TJ Tampa and Miles Purchase are their corners. Those dudes have been around forever, and they're both really tough physical uh, you know, cover guys, over 200 pounds, tough, what have you. But also, you look at those safeties, and uh, Freeler, Verdon, and Cooper, when you put those two, th- those three guys with those – two corners in that 3-3-5, that secondary is as good as most in the league, if not the best in the league, in my personal opinion. And and they still have enough guys up front that are pretty salty, too, that they, they compete. They're, they're, I'm just going to tell you now, you look at what they've done. They have only given up 225 points this year. Their issue is, is they've scored just 273. So it's, yeah. it's, it's an improving offense. Uh, but towards the bottom in most of the categories in which you look, but not defensively. Defensively, they really have competed. No, they've been studs on defense the last couple of years. And no I doubt. will say about the offense, you know, I don't think K-State will have much issue in stopping their run, but they can throw it around a little bit. I mean, Rocco Beck is over 2,400 uh, yards passing this year, 17 touchdowns and eight interceptions. You know, even though he's had maybe kind of an up and down the year, I, you know, Jaden Higgins, who's a junior for – he's a wide receiver for – uh, Iowa State. I've been actually very impressed with him. He doesn't have many scores on the year, but he can be a guy that can be a problem for uh, for K State's defense. And he's also averaging 17 yards a catch. Oh yeah, that. Let too. me let me put yeah. Becht into perspective for you. Okay, 
You you mentioned some of the numbers. He's a big guy, too. 2,444 yards throwing for Rocco Beck with 17 touchdowns. You want me to tell you where Will Howard is? Will Howard's at 2,355, but with 23 touchdowns. Right. So this kid for a redshirt freshman has done a good job. Not only Higgins, but Jalen Knowles been around. I mean, the guy, he's a good return guy. He's got 57 catches, just short of 600 yards. I think they're they're pretty solid throwing the ball. Their issue has been a consistent running game. They they don't wow you with their numbers offensively in the run game. As an example, would it surprise you if I told you for the season they're averaging three point eight yards per carry? No, that's towards the bottom of the league. Yeah, yeah, about what I expected. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, it's just the truth here. They they've used. Five running backs this year, mostly four, but Cartavius Norton, Eli Sanders, who's starting now, Abu Sama, and Carson Hansen. A couple of those guys are freshmen. Uh, Sama's a red shirt, but uh, <laughs> they're not running it as well as they want to, and yet they've kind of somewhat persevered and got better despite that. A lot of that's on the shoulders of, the, of that quarterback. Rocco's been good. So K-State looking to be uh, undefeated at home throughout through the whole season for the first time since 2012, I believe, was the last time, Big 12 championship year. But the question is, K-State scored at least 41 points in every home game. Did they do it again against Iowa State? Toughest well, defense they've seen at home? Well, probably so. Yeah, uh, I think the most consistent defense, um, it, it's really hard to, to – Put your thumb on that because I think K State is a really good offensive team. Numbers bear that out. But again, let's remind everybody the score last year in Ames was ten to nine. Yeah, <laughs> ten to nine. So I don't know that I would count on forty this week. Let's let's pretend and we can count on a win. <laughs> and if you get to get to forty, great. If you get to thirty, great. Well, if the defense can get a couple of more scores. <laughs> Well, sure, that, that, that would help. Ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they might get there. Yeah. All right, Wyatt, let's take our last break here in hour number one. When we come back, let's take a look at some Big 12 results last week in the conference as you're listening to Wildcat Insider. All right, we're back on uh, Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson will quickly look at Week 12 in the Big 12. When it comes to the standings, by the way, nothing has changed other than Iowa State with the loss no longer really in contention. They kind of are, but not really. Uh, Texas beats Iowa State 26-16. Of course, the Cats beat KU. 31-27. How about the fight from BYU and Provo for a 10 a.m. game, by the way? Oklahoma, number 14 in the nation, beats BYU 31-24. The difference was a pick six, but BYU gave it Oklahoma just about everything they could handle there for a while. Yeah, the pick six, if you were rooting for BYU, which for the first time in my life I was, um, <laughs> came in a, really an odd way because BYU – Running, just gashing Oklahoma. They get that? It, they get it to the first and goal at the three, and decide to throw the ball. It's like, yeah. like, what are you doing? You you got three shots at it here, but Billy Bowman picks it off, runs it back a hundred yards, and 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 Oklahoma finds a way. I I really think though BYU really fought them. You're right. Um, they're they're not without their flaws, like like most everybody, but they really did compete against Oklahoma. And I think uh, they I think Coach Sataki was pretty excited with not with the loss but with the way the kids responded yeah BYU hasn't been able to run the football all year and Robbins had it 182 against Oklahoma yeah it's weird yeah it's really odd and and and, hey welcome to Big 12 football right they're a different animal in Provo than they are everywhere else 
Boy, it was scary for Oklahoma State there for a while. They go into Houston, and uh, Houston, after the first quarter, led 14-3, to but the Cowboys, since then, it was all pokes from the second quarter on. Yeah, they, they really kicked it up in the second half. They really did not play well. They were pretty flat early, and you know, Houston can be a little bit up and down and, and inconsistent too, and not just defensively, offensively too. When they're they're kind of a momentum type of team, wouldn't you say? I mean, when things are going well, whoo, they're they're hard to deal with. But boy, Oklahoma State got rolling in that uh, second half and uh, ended up with a thirteen point win. All right, and then the uh, the finals, the other finals in the Big Twelve: uh, West Virginia knocks off Cincinnati. 42-21. By the way, Oklahoma State beat Houston 43-30. TCU all over Baylor 42-17. TCU needs one more win to become bowl eligible. And then uh, UCF, they fall at Texas Tech 24-23. Taj Brooks, the leading rusher in that game, 24 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Well, Wyatt, you're heading off to Arrowhead Stadium. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Looking forward to hearing about that experience. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you a scouting report. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a really good football game. Um, I think it is, as I said at the outset of the show, two of the better teams in the league, if not the two best teams in, in football right now. We'll see if that's the case when we get to January, but uh, I can't wait. I'm excited about it. Well, I'll see you tomorrow at a Climbing's press conference. I'm yes, sure you'll be a little bit tired, but it's well worth it, right? <laughs> Sleep's overrated this time of year, buddy. You know that. All right, well, Wyatt's going to head out of here, and when we come back on Wildcat Insider to lead off our number two, we'll look at the scenarios once again for the Big 12 championship game. What are K-State chances of sneaking into Arlington? Plus, we'll uh, maybe look at a few bowl projections as well. People are wanting to know. I'll let you know what I know when we come back on Wildcat Insider.